0: Welcome to the radio broadcast of Sheer Jashub, a Bible study program brought to you by the Church Fellowship of Sheer Jashub Christian Tabernacle in Madison, Connecticut. My name is Patty Scalzo, and today my husband, Pastor Greg Scalzo, and I will be continuing our study series on Heavenly Authority, and we will be focusing on what is often considered a confusing passage in Genesis chapter 6. Well, let's grab our Bibles, and let's go into the study.
1: We pick up our background study in the Old Testament by continuing our look at the Flood of Noah's time. Last week we read, in Genesis chapter 6, some of the reasons for the Flood, how man's wickedness on the earth had become great, and every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. All flesh had corrupted their way on the earth and filled the earth with violence. They had become an ungodly people and God was going to put an end to it. Today we are going to look at the occasion which causes the Lord to make firm his decision. Let's read the beginning of chapter 6 of Genesis verses 1 to 4 from the New King James. These are fascinating and much debated verses
0: now it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born to them that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were beautiful and they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose and the Lord said my spirit shall not strive with man forever for he is indeed flesh yet his days shall be one hundred and twenty years there were giants on the earth in those days and also afterward when the sons of God came into the daughters of men and they bore children to them those were the mighty men who were of old men of renown
1: the NIV renders verse 2 the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were beautiful and they married any of them that they chose and the Jerusalem Bible renders it the sons of God looking at the daughters of men saw they were pleasing so they married as many as they chose just what is meant by the phrase the sons of god
0: greg there is one line of interpretation which many of our listeners probably have already heard if they've listened to a lot of bible studies which
1: understands these sons of god to be fallen angels or demons and patty that connection is made because of passages in the book of job where the phrase sons of god might be referring to angels. Those holding to this view derive from this passage in Genesis the idea that demons had sexual relationships with human women and bore giant monster offspring who were unregenerate, that is, they were not able to be saved. And some of the elaborations on this interpretation begin to border on the mythological. While I respect the number of the Bible teachers who hold to this interpretation, I just cannot accept it because of the specific wording of the text in these verses, because of other scriptural foundations, and because of the very nature of God taught in the entire Bible. Greg, we don't want to spend too much time on this issue, but could you quickly give some of the more important reasons why this interpretation is an error? Sure. First, angels, we are told in Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14, are ministering spirits without physical bodies, although they can present a type of physical manifestation of themselves as seen by the angels that visited with and ate with Abraham. And it's clear from Matthew chapter 22, verse 30, that they are without the ability for physical procreation. That's where Jesus is debating the Sadducees about
0: the resurrection. Matthew chapter 22, verses 29 to 30 reads, Jesus answered and said to them, You are mistaken, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like angels of God in
1: heaven. Second, the wording of the passage would be all wrong. Assuming the horrible fallen state of these angels, it would be an abomination to refer to them as sons of God. Rather, given the gross implications, we would expect a negative designation, as well as some mention of their punishment right there in the passage. After all, these sons of God are the main culprits. That's right. We read about the punishment
0: on mankind, that God's spirit would not strive with man forever, and the limiting of man's lifespan. But nothing is said about some angelic or demonic punishment. And we would expect this, given how precisely Genesis details God's curse upon Satan and the serpent in chapter 3. And, Patty,
1: the language in general should be a whole lot stronger. The Hebrew phrase, took wives, is the standard phrase in the Old Testament for marriage. Another odd word usage, if this interpretation is correct.
0: And down in verse 4, What are alleged as the offspring are referred to as mighty men and men of renown. In the Hebrew, does the word
1: used in both phrases clearly indicate men? Yes. The phrase mighty men who were of old includes the word odom, coming from Adam, and clearly indicating a human being. And the word for men in the phrase men of renown is inosh, the common semitic word used generically for frail, mortal men. So these are clearly full human beings being referred to. And even consider the phrases themselves. The word mighty and mighty men, gabor, is sometimes translated hero. And if these offspring were indeed demonic hybrids, how could the scriptures refer to them as mighty men and men of renown or men of fame and reputation? again we would expect a much harsher label and a less normal sounding flow to the wording. Exactly. But Patty, most importantly, we must consider the nature of God who created everything according to its kind. While human parents can reproduce and form an offspring from their flesh, it is only God who can ultimately create a person, that is, breathe life and ordain existence. Hebrews 12.9 Numbers 16.22 and Numbers 27.16 tell us that He is the Father of Spirits, the God of the spirits of all flesh. And no matter what the circumstances of conception, the offspring is still created in the image of God and able to be saved, to be with God for all eternity.
0: And Greg, God cannot be tricked. God planned all of our spirits before He created us in the womb in Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 the Lord told Jeremiah before I formed you in the womb I knew you before you were born I sanctified you I ordained you a prophet to the nations he ordained a way for a man and a woman to conceive and bring a child into the world a single act of extreme significance and a point of decision for each person given the possible consequences of children Will they recognize this sexual act as part of the holy and beautiful marriage relationship to be treated with godliness? Or will they,
1: without care and affection, abuse and pervert it? But only God can breathe life into a person. Apart from Him, no one exists, and He is above time. In foreknowledge, He saw the choices people would make. Looking down through the ages, He saw that more often than not, the sexual relationship would be sinful and outside his pleasing will and given all of mankind's choices in his infinite intelligence knowing all the permutations he placed each of his creations at the place and time he appointed as best for them
0: Paul teaches in Acts chapter 17 verses 26 to 27 that God has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him though he is not far
1: from each one of us. So every child was in God's plan and eye before the world began and such a God would not enable demons to sire a race irreversibly damned. For that matter, Patty, the whole issue is really as as simple as the fact that only God can create a spirit and give life. The devil and his fallen angels cannot create life since there is no life in them to do so. Satan only creates by destruction. He takes those whom God has created in God's image and destroys them by leading them into rebellion against God until they are corrupted into the devil's image. So then, Greg... What is meant by the phrase, the sons of God, and how should this passage in Genesis be read? Let's look at it with a fresh insight. And this means erasing the erroneous teaching we've discussed from our minds as we approach the passage. In our last program, we saw how Genesis chapter 4 gives the lineage that came from Cain. And then in verse 25, we read about another son of Adam, Seth, To whom was born a son Enosh, at which time men began to call on the name of Yahweh. Then it continues into chapter 5, with this genealogy through Seth down to Noah. And it is in this context that chapter 6 opens with, Now it came to pass, when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born to them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were beautiful. And they took wives for themselves of all whom they chose. So you believe
0: the sons of God are in some way connected to that lineage of Adam through Seth
1: mentioned immediately before the statement in chapter 6. That's right, Patty. While the term sons of God in Genesis 6, two and six four does not refer to angels, it does mean those to whom the word of God comes that is, the human messengers of the Lord. The term is used a number of times in the Old Testament for those people who are in a covenant relationship with God. Deuteronomy 14.1 and Hosea 1.10 would be examples of this. In Deuteronomy 14, verse
0: 1, Moses tells the Israelites, You are the children, or the sons, of the Lord your God. You shall not cut yourselves, nor shave the front of your heads for the dead. And in Hosea, chapter 1, verse 10, God says, Yet the number of the children of Israel shall be as the sand of the sea, which cannot be measured or numbered. And it shall come to pass in the place where it was said to them, You are not my people. There it shall be said to them, You are
1: sons of the living God. Likewise, the term is used in the New Testament for believers in the Lord Jesus. Romans, chapter 8, verses 14 to 19 says,
0: For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. And Galatians chapter 3 verse 26 says, For you are all sons of God
1: through faith in Christ Jesus. In our next program, we'll narrow in more on who the sons of God are in Genesis chapter 6. And we'll examine their sins, which were a catalyst for the flood. If you would like to
0: write to us or feel led of the Lord to help support our church's outreach, our address is Sheer Jashub Christian Tabernacle, Post Office Box 518, Branford, Connecticut, 06405. And if you will be in the Madison, Connecticut area, Sheer Jashub Christian Tabernacle's Sunday service is at 10 a.m. at the Memorial Hall on Meeting House Lane in Madison, Connecticut. Join us next time for Sheer Jashub.